Honestly, I really don't, not really sure what this song is about. <laughs> the reason why I picked it is because when I'm playing live, I tend to kind of play too fast sometimes. Hey buds, welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David, of course, my friend is Aaron, and this one, uh, this episode is another, let's call it Aaron Banger. He had the opportunity to chat with Nicholas Angelini, drummer of a Wilhelm Scream, about uh, his five favorite Wilhelm songs. So that's going to be a good one. Before we get into it, of course, uh, go follow us on social media on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find the links to our personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. Uh, you can also um, our links to our Patreon stuff like that if you want to throw a couple bucks a month our way to show some support. That's cool too. Uh, and wherever you're listening to the show. Make sure you rate it, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Tell your friends about the show. And, uh, yeah, just help us grow the community a little bit. Anyway, before wasting any more of your time, let's get into it. This is Aaron and his conversation with Nicholas Angelini about his five favorite Wilhelm Scream songs. I've been guilty, I know that, believe me. I admit I've been bored, I've been lazy. Down and out on Cherokee Street. Give our regards to them till we return again. New Bedford Berry. Yeah, so I don't often get to, to talk to drummers, so it's exciting for me to, to get to talk to you, the drummer of Wilhelm Scream, amazing drummer. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, to chat about drums and music and your new record that's coming out in, in a month or a couple of months, I guess. Right on. Well, thanks yeah. for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so what was uh, what was your standout experience with drums kind of in making you think, like, that's what I want to do? Um, geez, I think when I was a little kid, I was watching like a Van, Van Halen video or something like that. And I think it was a jump <laughs> and, uh, that just kind of like grabbed my attention, I guess when I was a little kid. And then, um, then years later when I was in high school, my friends and I all started a band before we even had in- like before we even owned instruments. So that was just kind of, I just wanted to be in the drummer and, um, uh, I don't know. I think I just wanted to get, I thought it might get me checks or something like that. Yeah. I probably should have played guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so how, like, how do you feel you related to that experience and kind of helping you to realize that it was something actually that you could pursue, you know, from Van Halen, you know, how did you kind of put those together and be like, okay, I can actually pursue this in, in some fashion? Um, I'm not really sure. I guess maybe I thought it was more achievable than, than learning how to play a, a different instrument. Maybe it was just kind of, the you know the uh the rod just kind of being able to just hit things with sticks versus trying to make my fingers do all kinds of wacky shit to try to figure out how to do it i guess i don't know i think it's just maybe the primalness of it kind of drew me to it 
Yeah. Well, and even like outside of necessarily just the instrument itself, but even realizing like, okay, like playing drums. Cause back then, you know, it was a lot more kind of mystery around music and, you know, it was a lot more kind of bigger time bands where now, you know, it's so much more accessible music, social media, you know, home recording. So what, was there something that kind of, um, you know, kind of tripped in your mind where it's like, okay, like, you know, I can, I can figure out a way to do this and, you know, or was it more just an instinct of, okay, I'm just going to go for it and kind of see what happens. Yeah, I think it was more of an instinct thing. And I actually had a place where I could play the drums because my parents had a garage that wasn't attached to their house. That might have that might have helped out a lot. <laughs> so I yeah. could be loud and different. different uh, I could be kind of loud and not really disturb anybody. Is well, I still disturb the whole neighborhood, but you know, it wasn't wasn't as bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always just like to kind of to think about that process, you know, of you know, back, you know, when maybe it was the '90s or late '80s when you got into music. You know, I got into it in the late '90s, and you know, I never kind of it, it took a while for me to kind of you know correlate the the two things of okay like I, I can play drums or i can play music for fun but then you know seeing a band that's like okay they're be they're successful and they're not really doing anything too crazy so maybe that's something i could pursue you know and so i, I just like those two things kind of marrying um because like i said back then it it seemed like a lot bigger of a long shot to to kind of make music an actual thing yeah, that kind of reminds me of what we we started out playing was just basically like um, like crappy punk songs that didn't really require too much too much talent. Just kind of we're doing like fear covers and like late '80s like junky punk songs. So it was kind of like all I really had to do was just kind of keep playing the same beat as fast as I could the whole time. So it didn't really require me to learn too much at that point. I guess maybe. Yeah. So what was the line from seeing like a band like Van Halen to getting into punk music? How did that journey kind of happen? Um, I think it kind of progressed into, I, I, I like the fastness of like, I think I started getting into Metallica and stuff like that. And I like, like the energy of it, but I wasn't really into like the whole like dark, like metal aspect of it, you know, just kind of, um, like the satanic kind of stuff like really it wasn't really satanic stuff but like it seemed kind of not really where i was heading i was kind of a skateboarder and stuff and then i kind of like discovered um my buddy had a pennywise tape and i was like oh this is this is great this is kind of like the energy without all the the crap that i didn't really care about you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was similar for me too. Where I was kind of into rock, and it was always it was always kind of missing that energy. And you know, because I didn't know what I was looking for, it wasn't until you know I heard you know skate punk, where it's like, oh, okay, this is what I've been missing. And so yeah, it's just, it's cool discovering those things. You know, where you're trying to pursue something that you don't even really have the context for knowing what it is, and then when you hear that, it just kind of opens up that whole world of like, okay, now I know what it is, and now I want to find all these you know, bands and musicians and that I can look up to. So who have been maybe some influential drummers for you that you've looked up to, you know, if you've, as you've grown as a drummer and a musician, you know, whether in the punk realm or, um, or other. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, By Byron from Pennywise was definitely an early influence. Yeah. Um, uh, then I kind of started getting all, started figuring out, like, you know, learned about no effects and all the fat records bands and the other epitaph bands and stuff like that. 
And then um, I started kind of, I discovered a band called uh, Lifetime and they had that punk vibe, but there was a little more relatable to me because it was like the East Coast kind of like saltiness. I think, you know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't too, you know, it was a little, wasn't too, um, I don't know, like no effects is kind of goofy, you know? Yeah. It was a little more serious, I guess. And I kind of liked that. And then I kind of started getting into, um, you know, like uh, post-hardcore stuff like Quicksand and um, bands like that, Orange 9mm and Texas The Reason, bands kind of kind of like that. Um, I really like um, Alan Cage from Quicksand. He's a, he's one of my favorites. Okay. I try to like uh, catch his vibe and some of my stuff as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, they're not a band that sounds really anything like a Wilhelm scream. So it's cool that you can, you know, find techniques or patterns or thing from his playing and and put it into your own, and and nobody would would really know that that's an influence. And that's what I love about lots of different influences is you can take it and still make it your own. And uh, so it's cool to to kind of hear uh, your background in that. So I'm assuming you know that that most of the people listening to this know your music, um, but if there are listeners that don't know, um, a Wilhelm Scream is a very technical, fast-paced punk band, which means you know the drumming plays a very important role and hugely adds to the overall feel of the songs. So as the drummer in a band like this, how have you learned to kind of balance you know technical playing with the need to maybe not overcomplicate things or or make a song feel too busy? How do you find that balance? Um. It's tough. I usually kind of, I'm kind of an overachiever, so I try to kind of go for it no matter what, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I guess just maybe trying not to step on any of the, of the vocal patterns or any of the catchy, catchy things that we have in our songs, just kind of like stay away from, let that stuff breathe. Don't just try not to step on anybody else's, not to drink anybody else's Kool-Aid or anything like that, you know, just just be aware of what's happening with the song because the song is kind of greater than any, you know, one part of the band, I guess, you know? Yeah. 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 And I'm assuming at this point you kind of all know each other enough. You've been playing this type of, you know, of punk for, for many years. And so I, I'm sure you, they kind of, you know, as you're writing or maybe the vocals are coming in, you know, does it ever happen where they just kind of turn around? They're like, all right, Nick, just cool it on the drum fills here. Or, <laughs> or is it kind of just, you know, at this point you just kind of know where, what fits where. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a crazy process how we write. Um, we all kind of have opinions on, on every aspect of it. Sort of, you know, like everyone. Yeah. Most like all, all the other members in the band will kind of like say, oh, kind of what about, what about this, you know, this beat or, why don't you try this instead especially uh trevor's uh, like trevor and i write the drums together for the most part okay he started out as a drummer back in the day and he's he has a lot of great ideas so um we kind of like bounce ideas off each other all the time and go back and forth with it so yeah it's kind of he has a big influence on what happens and um it's great because it it's kind of like it doesn't you kind of leave your ego you know at the door and just kind of say whatever's whatever's best you know yeah. It's like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to be, you know, my, the attention doesn't have to be on me the whole time, you know, like it's just, like I said before, whatever's kind of best for the song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of answers my question of how you guys kind of take drums into consideration when structuring a song, like are songs that are built around the drums or, you know, with, with this type of drumming where it can kind of be a bit more front and center than, than lots of other types of punk, you know? 
are songs ever structured around the drums or are drums kind of added, you know, after riffs or, or how do you kind of, um, you know, come up with, with what you're going to put into a song? Um, it's always kind of different. Um, on the new record, I wrote a drum beat that I was just kind of playing around with at practice and that became a song, but that's kind of rare. Usually it's usually, um, I'll get a demo from Trevor, you know, sometimes it'll have just the guitar on it. Sometimes it'll have like some uh, drum ideas he has. Like we did most of the new record in Pro Tools. So he'll send me some like just rough drum ideas he has sometimes. And uh, I'll tweak those or he'll just send me a riff. One time he just sent me vocals and drums one time. Uh, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of became a song just, just from that, you know. So it's it's just kind of whatever... It comes from different angles all the time. It's never really a set way that we kind of do things. Yeah, and does it ever happen where um, maybe you 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 know you get a song idea, a demo of sorts, and just like immediately it's like okay, I know what drum part's going there, or do you kind of have to play around with it to kind of just see how it's going to fit? Like I'm sure it's a bit of both, but I just wonder if sometimes it's like, yep, I know what's going there right away. Um, yeah, I'm kind of a grinder, so. It usually takes me takes me a while to kind of get in the swing of things. Every guess every now and again something'll something'll fit in right away. But it's usually me just kind of sitting there on my drums with a, my computer near me and trying something on the kit and punching it in, see how it sounds, and just kind of keep going back and forth until I find something that that I actually really like. Yeah, whole night Sorry, I was, I was going to say doing it with Pro Tools this time around has been really helpful because. Sometimes um, you probably know this as a drummer, like you'll you'll be playing a drum beat by yourself, and then you think it's like the best thing ever, and then you hear it recorded, and it's just like, oh yeah, that's not working at all. So with uh, the Pro Tools, it's nice because you can kind of like play a beat, punch it right into the demo or whatever, and then you can listen back to it, and it sounds pretty good too because the drums are all like real samples, you know. So you can you can look at it right away and be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's great, or that's that that's terrible, that sucks. I don't I don't want to waste any time with that beat anymore, kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Technology like that definitely makes it easier for figuring out things in a more timely manner. That's for sure. Yeah, and what I love uh, and what's intriguing about you know more technical punk is you know even just thinking about drum fills and adding in more parts. Like typically, you know you'll kind of have your specific spot where you'll have a fill or, you know, something a little bit more than just the beat. But with, you know, drumming like a Wilhelm scream and, you know, bands like Propagandy and can be strung out, you know, there's, a, it seems like there's a lot more freedom to add in a lot more parts. Like it's not as out of the blue to be like, Oh, that was a weird spot for a drum fill or, you know, a technical little part. And so how do you kind of manage all those? Like, you know, in in a 40 minute cd you might have you know whatever it is 20 30 kind of different drum parts you're going to try and fit in there do you have any way of kind of um kind of organizing like okay these four or five will kind of go on this song or how do you kind of i guess organize all those thoughts and ideas and, and putting them in there because there's freedom to do so much more of that yeah, um, I think it's just we just really break down each part of the song into tiny little pieces and really like think about every little note that's kind of happening and each part, like what we're going to do with that part. If it's if it's going to have like um, a, a guitar lead over it, you know, he's probably not going to do a drum fill over a guitar lead, you know, unless it's unless it calls for it. But for the most part, it's just it's not like how many fills 
are we going to allow Nick to put in this song? You know, it's just more like what's good for the part versus anything else. You know, sometimes it's it calls for like a big crazy drum fill and yeah, but I guess like you said, we do we do kind of go crazy sometimes with a bunch of it's like everybody solo at the same time kind of thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I mean. It's oftentimes it's like anything goes kind of you right. You can kind of pull that off. So yeah, yeah, we're not really set to any kind of like pop structure for the most part. You know, it's just kind of whatever basically sounds cool. You know, just don't be. Don't overplay. Yeah, but no, that's... do overplay if, it, if you, but overplay if you if if you need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right on. Yeah, so for those that don't know, you also create and build drums with your drum company, Whale City Percussion. At what point did you become kind of interested in that aspect of drumming? Um, about ten years ago, I started building drums. I was always a, a shop kid in high school. Um, I probably should have been a machinist instead of a. Well, I guess, I don't know. It's cool that I'm a drummer, but I had a, basically out of high school, I had a, I had a job interview at um, a tool company as a, uh, a machinist, and I just kind of blew that off and joined a band and did the band thing instead. But uh, when I was in, um, we were in Australia with Less Than Jake the first time we were out there, and I heard I heard this drum kit. It's um, this One of the local bands was playing this uh, Brady drum kit, and I was just like, wow, that thing sounds amazing. It's not really punchy and loud and didn't really sound like any other drum kit I've heard before. So I went and talked to the guy and kind of asked him about it. He's like, oh, it's a stave shell, stave shell drums, which is basically like uh, segments of wood glued together, kind of like a whiskey barrel versus uh, plies. Yeah. So I was kind of like, wow, these these things sound great. And um, I kind of looked into them. They're super expensive. So I was like, that's ah, not really going to happen because, you know, I'm a broke musician. But um, over the few years later, I started just kind of messing around, trying to make my own. And um, yeah, I just started getting some scrap wood and started cutting staves. And about three years later, I was actually going to kind of get consistent at it. And it was a lot of trial and error. And uh, I just I kind of I love it now. It's it's, uh, it's basically like my my fun part time job. Every time we go on tour to somewhere, some weird country, I try to like smuggle some weird, like, uh, you know, <laughs> Brazilian wood back with me or something. Yeah. Last time we were in Australia, I brought back some, uh, some Jara and some, some red gum. And, um, yeah, we we flew into, uh, we flew into New Zealand and we had to go through customs and they had all these uh, announcements going over, over the, like the loudspeaker. If you have any, uh, food or animals or, or uh, timber or anything like that. And I had like this, my whole luggage bag full of all this like weird exotic wood. So I'm just sweating bullets going, going through like <laughs> all these little checkpoints. And then finally we go through like this scanner. I'm like, all right, here's where they catch me. And so I set my bag through the scanner and it came out the other end and the guy's like, okay, you're all set. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And I just kind of like run off. And, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super into, into the whole drum building thing now. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Yeah, so that I'm assuming you like you build your own drum kits for for touring and and for Wilhelm Scream playing. I do. Yep. Yeah, we yeah. did our whole last record with a. I built all the drums that that's on the record, and uh, I've been touring with a full Whale City kit for uh, for a few years now. 
Yeah, well, that's that's really cool just to have that that extra bit of passion put in there and, and just knowing, like, you don't probably really want to take care of them. And it also gives you the experience of playing them too, right? So as you're selling them or, you know, finding artists to play them, like, you know firsthand, you know, how they're going to sound, how they, you know, move around on stage or just all those little things that, that drummers like to know. So that's cool to, to have that insight. Yeah, yeah, I can beat the crap out of them and see if they hold up and, I try to be, uh, you know, I think I'm pretty hard on my on my drums, and I get hot and cold all the time going from winter tours back in the clubs and everything. So you can kind of see how how they'll hold up under uh, under touring conditions and whatnot. Yeah, how would you say yeah, that's how would you say that's impacted your life? You know, not only necessarily being a business owner, but one that's something kind of so personal to you. Um, I guess it's yeah. It's, um, I don't know how it really. I guess it just changed how I how I kind of look at everyday life. I guess I'm I only work at my I have another I have a job where I deliver beer three days a week and I was kind of doing that full time, but then I was kind of neglecting the drum building thing. So now I do you know like Whale City stuff and Wilhelm Scream stuff three days a week, and I kind of work a regular job three days a week. So I'm actually able to sell enough drums to kind of like between both things, I can kind of make enough money to survive. Yeah, well, it's awesome to have have something like that for sure. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing all that that info. I love getting to hear you know interesting backstory to musicians' life and career, and helps to shape and grow my my ongoing love for a band. So I appreciate that. But yeah, let's get into some of these songs that have helped shape yours and your band, and as well as many other people's. And so uh, we're going to talk about five Wilhelm Scream songs that you picked that um, that stand out to you for for one reason or another. And so let's get into. Um, the first song is called Kursk.
Mute Print, which was released on April 20th, 2004, through Nitro Records. How did your relationship with Nitro Records uh, come about? Um, basically, we were we were shopping around uh, Mute Print, I think, at the time. And um, our buddy Jeremy recorded that on uh, Jumpstart Records. And um, he basically let us go shop it around to other labels because he, he thought it was bigger than, than, than him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, it ended up just working out where Nitro was really excited about it. And we went, we were on tour and we went and visited, visited the label and got to meet everybody over there. And this guy just kind of seemed like the right fit at the time. You know, it, it kind of just, just worked out. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of really cool bands getting signed to Nitro back then. And so it's cool to be, uh, to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, so for an album that's coming up on, on almost 20 years of being, you know, yeah, almost 20 years old, what still stands out to you about this album? You know, what kind of memories are, are tied to this album for you? Um, I don't know. I guess this was the, re- I feel like this was like the first record that we, I don't want to say we had our shit together, but it feels like it was like the first one where the songs were, were a little, they were kind of like next level compared to like the older stuff that we had done in the past, like I smack and Isaiah. And, um, I just remember we got our first like real booking agent at that point, somebody that was like a legit booking agent, which was very exciting. And then we're on our first real label and it was just an exciting time to kind of like, it felt like we were like reaching like the next level of our, our career in a way. Yeah. Just kind of, it was, it was an exciting time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and why does uh, this song specifically stand out to you from this album? Well, this one I find I found that um, it was just a creative thing that Trevor did, basically about um, Kursk is a uh, submarine that that kind of like died, I guess, like lost power and sank to the okay. bottom of the ocean, and um, everyone that was on that submarine basically kind of like knew that they were all going to die. Like there was no way that they could possibly be saved. So, I mean, it's pretty heavy, like crazy thing that happened. I never knew about it until Trevor 
you know, brought the song to us. And um, I like how he kind of wrote from the perspective of someone that was on that submarine, kind of like being, being like, well, we're going to die. So I guess uh, it's kind of like they're doing that, like that last confession almost mm. like saying, Oh, I, I'm sorry. I hurt this person or I'm sorry that um, I never like went, went after this girl or saying fuck you to the guy that you didn't like back then. Or, and just kind of like being in the moment. I feel like if I close my eyes and listen to that song, I can, I can picture myself on the submarine Mm. And it kind of like brings brings like you know chills, chills to my spine. You know, it's it's like I'm almost like when you're reading a really good book or something like that. It just it really grabbed me. I, I thought it was super creative how he was able to take a story like that and just turn it into like a you know a song. It was just very like out of left field for me at the time. Yeah, and it was like um, yeah, it was just just super cool way of doing something. You know, writing a punk song. Yeah, well, anytime a, a song, you know, idea or lyric can, you know, take you to a place where you can picture yourself, you know, in that place is, is a pretty special thing. Since it's not just a, you know, one-sided view or story or experience, right? It's like, you know, when, when you're writing about something like this that kind of anybody can place yourself in, that just helps a, a song to stand out. So that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. The, nec- the next one is Me versus Morrissey in the Pretentiousness Contest. Album Ruiner released August sixteenth, two thousand five, through Nitro Records. That's a uh, that's that's a mouthful. That song. So Ruiner was released just yeah. over a, a year after Mute Print. You know, how had your experiences with Mute Print? You know, whether recording or touring that followed. How did that kind of impact the the creating and writing and recording for Ruiner? Well, recording Mute Print um, was kind of a nightmare for me because uh, I had never. I had never um, been in a real legit studio like that. We were in the blasting room with Bill Stevenson and Jason Andrew, and I had never played through a click track or anything like that. Mm. So it was it was a nightmare for me 
we ended up doing that record without a click track or a, a tempo map. Oh wow! Just, just basically because I couldn't pull it off. Yeah, I started recording with Jason, and then he got frustrated and kind of passed me off the bill. And then Bill and I managed to get it all done. And um, yeah, that was an ambitious record because we did it in I think it was like ten days or something wow. like that. And I I really had no clue what I was doing. So after that experience, I kind of went home and got myself a, a, a metronome and then really like I learned a lot about myself and about myself as a drummer during mute print. So I went home and really like hit the woodshed and, and tried to improve my, my game, you know? So when I went back for Ruiner, I kind of knew what to expect more and, and what the situation was going to be. So I was a little bit more prepared for Ruiner. I don't think we really, I don't think I really affected how I wrote drums, I still kind of like still tried to do stuff that I could barely pull off just because we're overachievers and this is kind of how we yeah. roll. <laughs> but um yeah, but at least I had a little more idea of what was gonna what was gonna happen, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What were you guys kind of hoping to accomplish with with this album? Um I don't know. I think this album has a different vibe than our other records. It's a little kind of a little more darker in, in a weird way. I think it has a little bit of that post-hardcore vibe to it. They have some kind of weird songs that aren't exactly punk songs in this one, I guess. I don't know exactly what we're going for. I guess we're just trying to do a better record than the last one. Yeah. I think that's usually usually what we go for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, well, this song yeah. title is uh, is something else, and I, I can't even begin to decipher what it might mean, but what's the story behind the title, and how does this song uh, impact you? Honestly, I really don't, not really sure what this song is about. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But um, the reason why I picked it is because when I'm playing live, I tend to kind of play too fast sometimes, which is a, probably a common problem for punk drummers, I'm assuming. When you're already playing but, so uh, fast yeah. to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, when you play too fast, it kind of sometimes can kind of ruin the vibe of a song. It might like, you might not dig in hard or it might like uh, you might miss that little guitar lick you like want to hear. It just might just blow by too fast. And uh, I know Nuno totally hates it when I, when I'm playing too fast. Cause he, a lot of these songs have a lot of words that he's going to kind of cram into like a short period of time. Yeah. So he ends up having to be like an auctioneer at Barrett Jackson or something like that, which, you know, he hates that shit, which I totally <laughs> understand. <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but with with uh, Morrissey, it seems like we can play that one like way too fast, and no one seems to really care. You know, like, it, it's it just I think we we recorded at like two hundred fifteen BPMs or something like that, which is already really fast. But then if we're on tour for a, like a month or so, it just gets faster and faster, and no, it doesn't. It's one of those songs where you can just kind of like you can play it and play it way too fast, and it doesn't really affect much, you know. So. It's fun for me. It's kind of like when you get like a rental car and, you know, you get that long stretch of highway, you can be like, all right, let's see how fast this thing goes, you know? Yeah. And um, also this one is kind of, even though it's so fast, it's it's really not that hard to play. It's kind of more of a basic structure for this one. So, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just kind of fun to play. And I think we, we wrote it kind of last minute and made it purposely simple at the time. And, um, yeah, so it's just it's just kind of kind of a fun one, and I like um, I like some of the lines in the song too. Like I said, I'm not really sure 
exactly what it's about, but there's one part when it goes like, all right, all right, all right, all right. That kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Dazed and Confused, Matthew McConaughey, when he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. all right, all right, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of fun. And um, there's another part that's like, uh, tie me up to the radiator. I got this buddy, Ricky. He's um, he used to deliver water heaters. So I always think about him, and I was, I'm always thinking, tie me up to the water heater in my head. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Songs can have all yeah. kinds of uh, things that stand out, even if it doesn't really have anything to do with it. So that's that's the yeah. cool part about about music is it can make you think of your buddy installing uh, water heaters or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you guys play with a click track live or no? No, no, we never we've never gone down that road. Thankfully, yeah. Well, I was going to yeah. say, imagine that's. I mean, either it's a really good thing because it helps, you know keep that speed in line but also it can you know take away the feel of you know and it's hard when you're when you're playing so fast and have so many parts to you know to play it to a click so yeah i was just curious as if you know that experience learning how to at least write to a click or record you know translated to live at all yeah i've been trying to like get more in the head of uh like what the song is actually coming off as instead of me just going crazy you know just think about the words and try to make sure that you know doesn't you don't lose all that cool shit that we're doing you know yeah 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 Yeah. let's move on uh, to the next one is less bright eyes more deicide Gentlemen, we call it slanderous. It takes a man to cry. But I just put a brick through every bird's nest. Take me out to the parking lot. I'll find battery is dead, romance is snatched. You never wanted to touch me when I was worthless. Get it while I'm sick with this white knuckle grip on the world. Well, I'm losing it, I'm losing it. I tried to love you, but I hate you all. I'm losing it all. Trees are born to die. Screw your wheels, it's supposed to rust. Enjoy, we'll vaporize The numbers have been crunched, yes, we're all fucked Take me out to the parking lot I find battery is dead, romance is snatched You never wanted to touch me when I was worthless Get it while I'm sick with this Why knuckle grip on the world? Well, I'm losing it, I'm losing it I tried to love you, but I hate you all the album ruiner another funny title which i love uh what do you love about this song uh this one was kind of cool when we were um when we were writing it uh i think trevor and i were in the in his parents basement we were writing the song and we needed to kind of spice up the verses a little bit um so there was like two two verses and um so we decided to write 
these little little parts for each verse. They end up being eight little parts. And he was kind of like, he had this idea to pick numbers and write little tiny parts for the numbers that we picked, such as like it, it goes, um, it starts to uh, take the on his side and it goes, dan, dan. that was like two. I had picked two. That was like the first number I picked. And then like the one after that goes, a gentleman would call that slanderous. And it goes, dan, 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 dan. that was uh, nine. I picked nine. So okay. it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there's like eight of those little parts that we wrote because oh, we were cool. just kind of like picking numbers back and forth. I think Trevor picked like five and a half one, like because he's he's Trevor, you know. But um, yeah, that, that's when that's what I kind of like about that song. It always kind of makes me smile when I think about it. It was just a fun, fun time that day coming up with those little parts. Sometimes when you're writing, it can be it can be kind of stressful and, and tough when you when you're having trouble figuring out parts and whatnot and. I thought that was just a cool little thing that we did that day. That was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. And, um, yeah, towards the end, there's a kind of like a hip hop beat in it. And I always, I always love playing those. I always feel like I really got to lock in when it's like, when it's that like hip hop thing going on. Cause when I grow up, I want to be a hip hop drummer. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> when you grow yeah. Up. <laughs> and, uh, I always feel like if, um, you know, some, some, uh, rapper comes walking by, they want to really, I want them to like really feel it, make the stink face and, and like nod their head, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as a side note on that thought, how, how do you feel kind of your technical type of playing would, would fit into, you know, hip hop or R and B playing? Cause I imagine it wouldn't be nearly kind of as busy. Drum part wise. Yeah, I wouldn't fit in at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's, you know, there's guys like Travis Barker that can play a lot of technical stuff, but he also plays to a lot of rap and hip hop too. So, I think it's, you know, maybe even just about getting in that groove or just adding in the, maybe those different accents or, you know, I'm sure there's lots of ways to do it, but yeah, I just, I, I was curious as if there was something specific about it that, that drew you in. Yeah. I think maybe just locking in on a, on a beat and just having people really like groove into it is just kind of, kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Sometimes our stuff sounds like, like machinery, you know, which is also cool, which I love, you know, but maybe just, maybe it's just kind of like, cause it's kind of what the, the opposite would I do, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, let's move on uh, to uh, the fourth song, which is Be One to No One from your upcoming new album, Lose Your Delusion, which comes out April 14th on Creator Destructor Records. So it's been almost nine years since your last full length, which is, you know, pretty crazy. It's a long time. You know, some might have thought another album from you guys would never happen. What was the last kind of nine years like for you? What did that hold for you in the band? and, and, And why now? Like, how did this new album come about? Um, yeah, we just kind of were touring on, touring on the old stuff for, for the last nine years, which, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly why we never really, I think we started writing that record, this new record nine years ago, <laughs> Oh wow! but, uh, it just kind of was like a, like a slow burn and, and, um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why it took us so long to do this. I think, yeah, we just kind of kept touring and kind of kept working on, working on the live stuff, I guess. And. But um, yeah, over the last two years or so during the pandemic, we had like planned on recording the new record before the pandemic and we were kind of getting it all together and then the pandemic hit and uh, our bass player, Brian, was um, in Canada, so he couldn't make it over the border for, you know, almost two years. Right. But um, I really took that time to really work on my craft and try to try to take my game up to another level you know and just 
they gave us more time to to really work on the songs and and kind of get them even more down than we thought we had them in the first place you know yeah but uh yeah over the nine years geez yeah just been touring and kind of just living life you know yeah no it's cool anything kind of specific that inspired this new album um i don't know i think just basically like uh like the old records, just trying to make make one better than the last one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for drum wise, you know, what were you hoping to accomplish on this album? You know, how was the process coming up with the parts and being creative and kind of getting back into things after such a long break? Do you, you know, I know with lots of musicians are always doing you know like voice memos and things. Do you have a collection of you know different drum parts that it's like okay when it's time to write and record, I want to try and fit you know these ten or twenty ideas in, or how do you kind of catalog that? Um, I think we just kind of, I just kind of kept track on my phone, just recording different drum beats and stuff like that. And, uh, just having different like jam sessions between, you know, just recording stuff on my phone from Trevor and I jamming or just doing whatever over the years and just kind of re going, going back to them and just kind of seeing what we had. And, uh, like I said before, like having pro tools has been a huge help for me on, on this time around having to be able to, like, you know, I said, punch in the songs and see what they, uh, punch in the drum beats to see what they sound like. But, um, yeah, I think I just wanted to really step up my game and just kind of feel like I was kind of more, I don't know, just uh, more, more um, you know, even with the other musicians in my band, I always kind of felt like they were all, like, super talented and I was just kind of holding on back for dear life, you know, but I kind of feel like I wanted to, you know, get up to their level and maybe, maybe as feel as good as my peers as well. I might be just being hard on myself, but uh, yeah, just kind of be, just be awesome. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you are being hard on yourself, but yeah, it's also good. I mean, if you have the ability to to challenge yourself and push yourself further, then you know why wouldn't you, right? So yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah B one to no one was uh, the first single you guys released.
why why this song and what do you love about it i think this one is kind of like a like a modern classic like wilhelm scream song i feel like it's got like all the bells and whistles and it's kind of like next level like wilhelm scream 3000 or something like that you know it just it's got you know all the like the the weird like quicksand on drugs drum beats and the um, the crazy guitar leads the big choruses uh there's a cool you know big group sing-along part you know brian's jazzy punk bass shit he does you know yeah. i just think it's kind of one of those songs that just i feel like we really it's like an old song but it's really like next level old song in a way and i also really like how it's about dealing with uh depression hmm. i thought trevor really kind of like i feel like this one maybe can might actually help out some people that are like coping with depression because yeah. you know people that are truly depressed I mean, you can't just be like hey you know hey cheer up buddy you know it's gonna be okay it's kind of really doesn't work like that as i'm sure most people know yeah but i, I think maybe if you can realize that other people are kind of going through that as well you can kind of like hey it's not just me you know and maybe listen to this song it's it's like has a part that says you know shit's really shitty but i'm alive and i'm you know some days i'm i'm killing it and other days i'm i'm like just i can't get out of bed kind of thing you know and yeah i'm hoping that some some people will be able to latch on to that and maybe it'll uh you know maybe give them one good day or something you know, I don't know. yeah yeah, well, that's great, and I'm, I'm sure it will. You know, especially after the last few years, you know, I'm I'm sure things like mental health have really heightened, you know, with with quarantine and COVID and all that. So I think that'll be a a perfect time for this to come out, and and it will be an awesome live song, you know, even just musically and energy wise. So that's yeah, a, an awesome song. And then the last one here is Figure Eights. Blazing the trail out to Hop the fence with the razor wire Sped off the sassequin pits Nikki don't care no better I wanna feel that way again, so Let's go down to the river at night Go down to the river To the top, smash the glass globes, laughed as they dropped. I knew there was a reason I got up this morning. I got to feel the glory. Now I want it all the time. Used to dream about this every day. Now it's standing right in front of me. The mighty dirty dollar make the muster out of men. Clogging up the gutter is enough to make you mad. Call me when you want to take the fight all of that.
Yeah, I also thought it was cool that you guys released, you know, two singles uh, that same day. Was there any kind of specific thought with that, or was it just to kind of get more music out there? Um, yeah, we kind of do Zoom meetings, um, you know, almost every Sunday. And I think someone had the idea of putting two songs out. And I was at first, I was kind of skeptical because it was, I'm like, oh, you got to kind of like save something for when the record comes out. But yeah, that's me, just me being kind of like in like old school way of thinking, kind of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, but uh, I like how we put out two songs that are kind of way different from yeah. one another. Yeah, uh, this one, I, uh, this um, figure eights is kind of something we don't do too often. It's a little more. I don't know if it's uh, kind of mid tempo ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did that one. The other one is more of a, you know, like a thrashy kind of in your face kind of song. So I thought putting those two out at the same time was pretty pretty cool idea. Give you like two the two sides of Wilhelm scream sort of you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially because it's been so long, right? It gives just fans just a little bit more to to chew on too. And yeah, I, I'm the same. I always kind of when there's two songs. You know, especially when it's a band that you know, I'm really into, it's like, oh, like I almost just want one song so I kind of know what to focus on. And but at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, two is always kind of better than one, and so just kind of going back to those two. So yeah, that's that's a cool approach, and hopefully gets people kind of more excited for for the new album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of wrapping things up, you know, I know you guys are hitting the road here pretty soon. You know, how are you feeling about that after such kind of a long break? You know, is it nervous excited you know i imagine it takes a lot to kind of get back into the swing of things you know especially after the last few years that we've had so how how are you and the rest of uh the band kind of feeling about getting back into things uh i think everybody's pretty excited we get to do um we get to do a short run back from uh the fest this year with a comeback kid yeah so that was that was like the first uh we drove all the way down to florida with the massachusetts and um our first show was was fest, which is a big festival show. It was, a, it was weird, like getting back on stage and and just going for it. But um, after a couple songs in, it just kind of felt like old hat, and it was it was great, and it felt really good to get get back out there and and, and do the damn thing. You know, it was it was really awesome. Yeah. But I think everyone's excited to start getting back into you know like a regular kind of tour schedule and just get back on the road and. Just, just to be out there, just get, just to live the old life. I mean, everybody's, everybody's been stuck inside and doing, you know, nothing for the longest time. It's, it's just going to be great to, to live our, our old lives, I guess. Yeah, yeah. At this point, like, are you guys still hoping to, you know, tour full time ish, or how does uh, the kind of upcoming schedule look for the for the rest of the year? Um, we have, yeah, we're going to do like a this year's pretty busy as far as <clears throat> even what we were doing before the pandemic um yeah we're doing in march we're supposed to actually be on tour this week but um that got <clears throat> excuse me got canceled due to uh, covid restrictions i guess in, in canada you'd know a little bit about that yeah. i would imagine <laughs> more than me but um but yeah in, in march we're doing a quick quick run-up with a uh, with comeback kid and um why am i blanking their name Cancer right now Bats? Cancer bats, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah, and then we got like a UK kind of thing in April, UK and some of Europe, and then another quick rip out to <clears throat> Canada to make up for these shows that we're missing now, and then in August we got another Euro thing, and we're doing a full US in the summer as well, so it's going to be 
it's gonna be a pretty busy year for us yeah well that's awesome yeah and i'm sure it'll it'll feel good just to kind of get back out there and as things you know still open up and hopefully stay open and more people will have a chance to, to get to see you guys because, I mean, I, I see it everywhere and I've, I've seen it for myself that you guys are such a great live band and it's kind of a whole other dynamic, you know, seeing a band like you guys live versus recorded. So um, if there are people out there that haven't seen a Wilhelm scream live, then please do yourself a favor and go do that. But, yeah, any last words um, or anything else that you wanted to touch on here before we uh, wrap it up? Um. No, I guess just uh, we're looking forward to seeing everybody out on the road and make me uh, meet up with old friends and just just being able to go out and go out and do it again. Um, we're all pretty excited. We got a video shoot this weekend. We're actually using our time that we took off of work to shoot a video. Awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, we get another video thing next weekend too. So we're really trying to get be more modern with putting content out and stuff like that. So. Um, we're excited to get the record out and we're going to drop another single pretty soon. I'm not sure the exact date. So I guess be on the lookout for that. And, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to be, uh, backfiring on all cylinders again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I hope the, the upcoming year is, is, uh, yeah, everything that you guys kind of hope for and need. And, uh, yeah, like I said, new album coming out, go see these guys live, get the album, Super excited for it, Nick. Thanks so much for for taking the time to do this, and I hope your uh, your first podcast um, experience was not too uh, traumatizing. <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you having me, and uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll pull through. <laughs>